Hello and welcome to the Changing Mentality Podcast. This is George and this is a podcast created by a group of male students and recent graduates from across the UK. It's supported by the charities Comic Relief and Student Minds. In this episode I talked to my friend Adam about his experience growing up as an Asian man living in London. He's since moved to Manchester. And we talk as well about how the norms of masculinity have affected him and what it was like to leave Islam as a teenager. So Adam was raised Muslim and then converted away from the religion at that point in his life. Importantly, none of what we say is meant to criticise the religion or undermine its value for those that follow it. Adam is really just offering his experience of what it was like to decide the religion wasn't really for him, to move away from it and just what that was like. And as he says, his experience is not meant to be taken as representative of all Asian men or all Muslims. So it's just important to put those caveats out there. If you are a Muslim student who's looking for support with your mental health or related issues, there's a number of links in the description. You can look at the Student Space part of the Student Minds website that has a dedicated section uh, focusing on those issues. And you can also look at the BAME section of the Charity Minds website. There's some good support and resources there. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. So welcome to the podcast Adam. Thank you for having me George. Uh, We're going to talk about your experience as a British Asian man growing up in the UK and also about your experience um, leaving Islam as a teenager. Before we get into that, why don't you start by just saying a little bit about yourself and your background and whatnot? Yeah, well, yeah. My name's Adam. Um, I am from London. My family sort of comes from Bangladesh, I suppose. Um, my dad grew up here. Mum came over when they got when she got married, so that's kind of the roots of it all. Um, so yeah, I'm British Asian, Bangladeshi, and British. Now, I always find that that kind of terminology weird to to get around ethnicity and race and blah it's all a bit of a so-and-so but um whatever the label is whatever the label is i suppose um and yeah what else i love sport i'm a journalist or trying to be at least uh and yeah what else i don't know what else do you want to know about me (laughs) that's the kind of basics i suppose right yeah um you studied journalism at worcester right yeah yeah so um yeah, so I did an undergraduate degree in journalism. I started doing journalism and history up in the first year, but quickly realised that I was not up to scratch in history. Um, so I just did journalism for the rest of the time I was at Worcester. Um, and yeah, I've been working in journalism now for um, what was it? Three years now. Come up to three years this this uh, this March. I think it was three years. So um, yeah, I, mean, I love I love sports. Um, I want to be a commentator hopefully one day um and yeah um i love listening to podcasts as well it's just in general um i love tv and film i obsess about tv and film um, quite a bit i can say um, i can confirm that that is true yes it is <laughs> one thing i'm not going to do in this podcast is ask you about the marvel universe no no i feel like that may uh override everything we're a bit more into talking about if we go down that path um so no but yeah i mean i love like traveling when you get the chance, I'm I'm a happy boy, I suppose. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good place to start. Um, mm. so, you, is it, so you grew up in the UK, but didn't you also have some time growing up in Switzerland as well? Yeah, so um, I can never I can never match the ages with this school year. So um, I moved to Switzerland with my family in year four, um, UK school year four. Uh, and then I came back from Switzerland back home to the UK in year six. Um, so it was about oh, 18 months in Switzerland because of my father's job. Um, and it was amazing, like the best time of my life. And um, it was probably, it's definitely the reason why I, who I am today. Um, I learned German whilst over there. Um, I mean, I say I can speak it fluently, but it's a bit dodgy now. Um, but like I just from being in a different country I just learned so much and it was just a whole different experience for me at that age and my dad always used to say that um young kids are like sponges and you learn and absorb so much um and I think being in a different country 
um just gave me so much just a different perspective on life i think even at that young age um and i mean just like technically and just develop speaking development wise like just learning another language that at that age uh is is uh is pretty good i think for uh that age range of child so um um yeah it was pretty good time yeah it sounds quite formative mm. yeah informative is the right word yeah what was it about it that was so kind of um significant for you um well you definitely learn in german um definitely the most significant thing uh because that led to i think that just fired up my brain perhaps um yeah. it got me thinking in in a certain way or got me thinking in the right way perhaps and then when it came to learning in the future just those techniques i used which so you know, just subconsciously you just uh, pick up those kind of things um when you learn different language and you can use it in all parts of your life really um and that led me to learn russian as well at school um i wasn't half bad at french at school <laughs> um so i suppose that's one thing and it just looks good in your cv i suppose um <laughs> when you're thinking like that um but i guess more pastorally i think being plunged into a world where you don't know anyone and you can't speak the language of the people around you when i was that young um is something which has helped me now because um i'm not saying that if you live in one country your whole life you don't get that because you know everyone moves about and everyone goes into new experiences but perhaps i, I don't know i i think i think about things a lot i, I don't know if i get i guess anxious is, is the right word or at least i used to have a lot of anxiety not now i suppose because i'm a bit more confident in myself um but not to brag um, <laughs> um um yeah so i suppose that helps as well um that experience has helped me going forward like at university or when even when when i went on holiday last year on my own for the first time um just meeting people there through hostels and stuff um i suppose it can all be traced back to my time in switzerland when um you know i was forced to make friends and speak in a language i didn't know and all that stuff and by the end i was a happy swiss kid to be honest like, it was brilliant um, i there's always one story i like to tell where um before we left to go to switzerland um I was crying because I had to leave. I was leaving England and leaving all my friends behind, uh, you know, cut to 18 months later on the same sofa that I cried on at home in the UK. Um, I was crying because I was leaving Switzerland and leaving all my friends to go back to the UK. Um, so, um, so yeah, it was a very significant experience for me. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you do learn something about yourself. If you go into something with a lot of anxiety about how it's going to turn out and what, if you're going to make any friends or, Mm. how you're going to fit in in a uh, another country with totally different norms and stuff and then when you succeed at that and when you discover that it is possible I guess it gives you more confidence going mm. into other situations like I mean probably the experience most common to people listening to this will be when you have to first go to university and you think how am I ever going to get used to this and then mm. at least if it goes well you can end up making some of the best friends of your life yeah thing is though um I don't even think I've really connected the dots until like literally as I spoke just now. <laughs> uh, I think feel like if I had actually thought about my experience in Switzerland throughout like high school and university, um, maybe I would have been a bit more at ease. Um, so um, yeah, perhaps it's, it's good to remember that sort of thing about yourself and give yourself a boost for the time. But then that doesn't, that isn't to say that I regret and now regret my whole life and that I should have lived it better um, because um, well, no, I, I, w I wouldn't, I wouldn't have that doubt about me because I learned so much being who I was during high school and university anyway. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's weird how talking about stuff can make you become aware of things that you're not, yeah. you don't become aware of until you have to put them into words. 100% like literally live on air just now <laughs> I feel like I realize something big about myself um that I can go into new situations have to be scared I mean no like during like do, do, do you know what I it wasn't this is not as bad as I just painted it out in high school um you know me George like I feel like I like got on with a lot of people um yeah. so like like I said before maybe subconsciously I was doing the things which I learned in Switzerland um so I've got, I've got to give myself credit for that 
Um, I think at university, certainly in in Worcester. Oh, oh, do you know what? No, I'm talking. I'm talking. I'm talking on my backside. Actually, um, I, I think those skills that I did learn at uh, <laughs> that I, I did use throughout. Um, yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, like I said, at university it is tough. Um, you're all in this one massive mixing pot. You don't know where you're going to go, who you're going to meet. Um, so it's just important. I mean, I'm no expert, but like from my experience, anyone who's maybe going to university next year or whatever, just be yourself, be confident, and just know that. I mean, everyone always says this, but you're everyone's in the same boat. There's yeah. no like established hierarchy or anything like that. Like like there was in school, I suppose. A lot of people might think that um, and have gone through that. So um, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, one thing I wanted to pick up on sort of early on when you were talking, you kind of said it sounded like you expressed some ambivalence about some of these labels of being from Bangladesh or being British, being Asian, mm. or like how those all kind of come together. Is that something you felt generally? Um, yeah. I mean, like, I wouldn't say I am a, like, I'm an example of the typical British Asian experience. Um because of like where I grew up, how I grew up, what I was exposed to. Um, and like, I don't live in a particularly Asian area um, for starters. Um, so that I feel like takes a lot out of it already. Um, and yeah, I suppose I just, I just never liked Asian things as well, which is quite bad to say. I mean, it's better now, but like, I don't like curry, which is a feel like, you know, curry, that's not me being like stereotypical, but you know, it is a South Asian dish, right? So um, yeah. it's like the staple of like all of our like well, family's diets anyway. So the fact that I don't like it was always a, was like a first big thing, I suppose. Um, but like even growing up, I like, I watched, I watched Western stuff. I watched Doctor Who and, you know, like obviously the Marvel stuff and, you know, I listened to Western music. Um, and um, I didn't really speak Bengali until, after 10 years old maybe after 11 certainly my teenagers have to start to learn it properly um so just little things like that um and all the mannerisms and everything like like speaking when i was i worked at the um the bbc Asian network for uh, two years um recently and like i learned so much there which i feel like i probably should have learned ages ago but um um there are so many just so many things which made me realize that god i'm nowhere near as asian i should be um not that not not that that's a bad thing at all, but it was good that I realized it um because it is a part of me um but those labels always I find them tricky because like we're all human beings in the day um so i i it's a bit i i I do get a bit annoyed that we've got a well no I don't know I suppose labels are important who you are is important, but there there are like positives and negatives, and it'd be nice if we could all just treat each other as human beings um so that's that's why I struggle sometimes when I identify myself because um at the end of the day I'm just a person. So <laughs> like um yeah. so uh, but yeah. Yeah, and I think probably a good place to start, and I thought I'll probably say something along these lines anyway in the intro is you are inevitably gonna be talking from your own experience, which mm. um as you say, it might not be kind of what people would exp- um sort of perceive as the t- typical uh, British Asian experience and mm. maybe there isn't such a thing as that or it's you know it's not a homogenous group anyway but mm. um, yeah I guess just to kind of flag that early on is a good thing when you say like you're not as Asian as you should be is that like you're not as Asian as you would like to be or you're not as Asian as you sort of feel like other people might be expecting you to be that one feel yeah. like other people also mm. myself to be honest if British Asian is the term, then I'm probably, how fair should we be? Like maybe 70% British, 30% Asian in terms of how I feel about my identity and what I do and everything that is about me. Um, and I, it'd be nice if it was more even, um, to be honest. Um, I think I just fail to appreciate a lot of the Asian things about me as well. Um, like I, I've been to Bangladesh a few times. Um, and growing up like when I was younger and I really want to go back now just so I can appreciate it more because when I was growing up I just didn't appreciate it at all I kept on comparing it to the UK instead mm-hmm. of taking it for what it was 
as it's on its own merit. Um, so there's that. Um, and I mean, I, I never had any problems with my family. I never had any problems with my family back home. Um, like I always clicked and like, you know, they were family, even though I hadn't seen them for the whole year. But um, so that's, that's good at least. But, um, but yeah, I was just growing up in the UK and growing up where I did, I was perhaps even bound to be more Western than I was Asian. But yeah, like I said, like working at the Asian network definitely helped me get in touch with my Asian side because I mean, it was the first time I was really exposed to Asian music or British Asian music, but Asian music as well, South Asian music. Um, and just being around other British Asians, you know, people from South Asian backgrounds and not just from Bangladesh, from like different countries in the area as well. Yeah. Um, just it, that atmosphere just, you know, got me in touch with that side more. Um, like little things like, you know, eating people would bring in food to the office and you'd try some of that or just having conversations with other people like you and just sharing the same experiences and, you know, knowing that you're not the only one, that kind of thing. Um, so, um, yeah. 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 As in, you're not the only British Asian person. Yeah. Because I think a lot of the Asians in my life, really, they're all family. I never really had any Asian. Most of my friends aren't Asian. Trying yeah. to think, like there are a few in high school, a couple at uni. Apart from that, not many. Which is an out. Think it for me is an outlier actually, because any Asians I do meet just wherever, um, they seem to have loads of Asian friends. But okay. out of my out of my good friends or of the friends I keep in touch with hardly any separation um so um yeah so just being so when it comes to Asian network um I actually for the first time in my life really had a proper group of Asian people that weren't family that were friends and that I can talk to as friends because you know like there are different there's a different vibe and you can talk about different things when it comes to family and friends um so um yeah that was that was that was big for me definitely yeah do you think there's some sort of like almost implicit sense of understanding that maybe mm. isn't there with um white friends yeah i guess if you put it like that perhaps i mean yeah but that's not to compare people it's just yeah. lived experience isn't it really um mm. like if you mention something offhand yeah yeah that yeah yeah I, I struggle sorry i, I struggle <laughs> I, I i don't like well, no, I, don't, I don't feel comfortable i don't know what the right thing to say is when it comes to one person understanding something or not being able to understand something because of um their race like i feel like sometimes i like say the wrong thing or um uh, i'm rude and or offensive in a certain way but no yeah just i mean it's, it's not wrong to say that people who are like you i.e. Asian, are going to understand things related to you and being Asian compared to people of other races. So, yeah, but I mean, that's not to, like, say that you're not a good friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't what I was, like, going to read into that anyway. I think in, when I say sort of white friends, I guess what I mean is just not that, you know, that there couldn't be any kind of communal understanding between mm. different races, but just that there is going to be certain things, which I guess, like you mentioned, sort of the references and certain aspects of life, which perhaps it's just easier to draw on, especially like in conversation and stuff with people who already have those reference points. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like just stories we would tell each other every day about what happened at home, like with our parents or, like with our siblings or you know what we have for dinner that sort of thing like yeah it was nice to 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 um to be in that bubble yeah yeah one thing i was wondering when you were saying about how like you didn't have many asian friends um and you felt sounds like much more identified with being british than being asian growing up Mm. do you think there was any pressure or um just anything about the environment you were growing up in that made you maybe play down the sort of uh, Asian cultural side of yourself or yeah yeah I think 
just fitting in with people definitely did that like yeah i mean i didn't grow up in a particular asian area i mean i know it's london but and to be honest there are a fair few asians in that area but it doesn't what i was who i was exposed to and what i was around uh, like in school i mean school was the main thing right when you're growing up that's it like as, as much as you see family and family friends like school is what where you really develop and what you see around you is what you kind of grow around and yeah nearly all of my friends were white well but sorry nearly all my friends weren't asian basically um yeah. or weren't south asian um so i suppose in that sense that did maybe made me grow up in a certain way and i had to fit in with other people's way of doing things or way of life um other people's mannerisms other people's this other people's that so yeah maybe if i had if i did have more asians around me um i might have done that different i don't know i mean i did there was like a time between like year seven year 11 there was like a in our in our form there were like what three or four of us who were like south asian from a south asian background british asians um and we sat together like we were well, we were part of one big group but there were like three or four of us who were south asian in that group so that was nice um but i mean even though we didn't i don't even remember even talking about like south asian specific things but i guess when you're young you just talk about <laughs> whatever um so yeah maybe maybe just growing up without asians around me in my social life or my day-to-day life as much, as many as perhaps other British Asians are used to did uh affect me um yeah yeah um yeah so I mean maybe something else to talk about is I know you you were raised Muslim right yeah that's right yeah yeah and then at what point did you I know at some point you kind of decided that the religion wasn't for you at what point did that happen um i can't remember the age i think it was in i think it was in sixth form or year 11 so copy and paste how old we were then <laughs> uh, yeah. i think i think that's what sometime somewhere between the age of 15 and 18 six and 18 so yeah that's yeah, a long time yeah. probably about 16 year 11 yeah yeah at what point did you know that you didn't want to be Muslim? Um, I don't think there was like a defining like timestamp I can I can yeah. give you or I can give myself. Um, I think it was just one of those things where when you're whatever whenever you grow up whatever religion your family maybe or no religion the way you're raised is just the way you know the world uh and that's all you know really um and certainly around those teenage years where you become to where you become more aware of the world and how you feel about it and what you think um so it was probably a gradual process um and first of all the reason why i didn't want to be muslim anymore because i didn't believe in religion like so which is pretty important i feel like um yeah so that's one thing that's just me personally though but i suppose on top of all of that um it felt like maybe uh, maybe i'm wrong but it felt like there are a lot of things to do to be a practicing muslim which i didn't want to do um and maybe that's because i don't know i was weak or just lazy i don't know and if i am then fine <laughs> but um yeah uh, it just it, it wasn't for me it wasn't for me um and i suppose maybe the way that I wanted to live my life didn't fit in with with that that way of thinking um and but i mean i'm sure that if i did believe that there was a god I don't, I don't know how deep you want to get but um i, I suppose if i did believe there was there was a being somewhere controlling everything then i would have been i would have i say put up i would have done the things that a, a practicing muslim does but you know um bad things happen in the world so if there was an almighty being 
why would they you know let that happen on the base of it um i feel like i mean I, I, that's that's what that's that's the belief i have maybe i maybe that didn't fully f- form in thinking and in in thought um uh when i made that decision when i was younger but i want to believe that those were the you know i made that decision based on that thought whether i actually fully was aware of that or not but you know i just didn't believe it because i didn't believe in religion because bad things happened to me and to other people so that's demoralizing enough and when, you, when you're doing all of those things and it doesn't lead to something then why why do them yeah and i guess even if um i don't know if you had it as a a really explicitly worked out conscious thought at the time but I, I suppose you could still have that at a gut level and that would be enough to make you question something which I mean to give people an idea what kind of practices would you be um, engaged in as part of your routine when you were Muslim and practicing yeah I mean you perfectly summed up what I struggled to say the last <laughs> five two minutes of me talking rambling on um so yeah that's 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 the key point Sorry, I was just going to say, I suppose it's, this stuff can be quite difficult to put into words. Yeah, I mean, this is probably the first time I've really talked about it in depth, to be honest. Um, so yeah. um, you can give me a bit of slack for that. Um, but yeah, yeah. to answer your question. Um, so I think everyone knows about praying five times a day. Um, that's not a, I mean, that's just remembering to do it every day and then taking the time out to do it, which after a while, I guess, grinds down on, on you, especially if you don't, like what you're doing and don't believe what you're doing says that um you have to well before i go on like the way that i'm going to talk about it i feel might be unfair to those who do obviously do believe and do like islam um like it's going to come across as as chores when i talk about it but that's not i don't want that to represent people's thoughts of islam even if you're like if this is the first time you're hearing somebody speak about islam then don't please don't take it as gospel go out and yeah. speak to other people um because like it is a it is a good religion if you like religion um so i don't want to like trash it um but yeah so you got to pray five times a day um obviously fasting is a pretty big deal everyone pretty much knows about that don't they um it's i think it's currently ramadan um so that's fasting for a month every year um and fasting means uh no eating or drinking for a whole day um from sunset to uh, from sunrise to sunset um so that's a big month out of your life um yeah. of your year um Just on that for people that don't know like um can you say what the rationale is behind that um I think, I mean, again, don't quote me. And I can't remember exactly, to be honest. Uh, But I feel like it's something to do with making you experience what those who are less fortunate have to live through every day. Mm. Um, So to make you humble, I suppose, and um, to make you realise how lucky you are. And no, no, well, I don't mind mind that, but to make you realise how hard other people's lives are and that yeah. gives you um i suppose well, what does that give you that gives you humility doesn't it really i think humility is the biggest thing and empathy as well yeah yeah exactly yeah um so there's that um there are certain things that you can't eat or drink um so when it comes to, uh when it comes to food um certain like meats have to be halal um which i think means that the animals killed in a different way to how other meats are i can't remember what the what the technicalities are i think it's about draining the blood from the animal um when it comes to drinking you can't drink alcohol um there's that uh i don't remember any other rules when it comes to eating or drinking gelatine stuff so you can't really eat like harry you need to have halal haribos that sort of thing i don't know little things um what other practices are there um i think there was the major ones to be honest oh like reading the quran and stuff and learning about the theories of islam and the quran is the holy book um of Mm. of islam like the bible is to christianity um and 
you've got to, like I said, you have, you read that uh, as much as you can. You learn how to speak Arabic. If you can't speak Arabic, you need to learn how to read it and speak it. That's what I guess, that's what I remember from being <laughs> from practicing Islam. Yeah, so I suppose so there's a variety of practices and conventions about eating and drinking and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, and how you live your life and yeah. what you do every day. Yeah. So how did you find that? Especially, I mean, it sounds like I think a point it sounded like you were making earlier was for someone who is Muslim and believes in the philosophy of it and mm. um, the belief system and takes that, um, like really takes that on board, perhaps those things, you know, would, wouldn't be seen as burdensome or um, when you talk about it, it can seem like it's a chore. Was that how you experienced it? Yeah, 100%. Um, burdensome is a good way of describing it um yes like yeah like i said before like if i had believed in the core concept those things wouldn't have seemed like a burden but i didn't and they were so um and i think it just gradually wore me down perhaps over my life growing up um like when i was young young um you're a kid and you're in the hands of those above you so um like Literally, you just do what you're told to do, aren't you? Um, but as you grow up, you got the question what you're doing and why you're doing it um, and whether you want to do it. Um, and I realised that I'd rather be doing other things in my life than spending the time and effort on something I don't believe in. So, um, yeah, that's mm. as simple as that, really. <laughs> and I mean, you talked about it as a kind of gradual process of realising the religion wasn't for you was it a gradual process kind of leaving some of those practices behind or was there were there discrete points which you can think back on and think like that was a marker of you moving away from the religion i mean it was pretty it was pretty sudden like i i just stopped doing everything the process of realization was gradual but it's not like i kept doing some things and and stopped doing others like when I stopped, I stopped. So, um, yeah. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, it was, um, it was tough. It was one of the most surreal, horrible experiences of my life. Um, I don't think it'll be matched in that sense. Um, one of the most yeah one of my the saddest moment in my life 100 percent um yeah i don't think i don't think i mean the good thing is hopefully that it it all gets better from here um it won't get any lower than that hopefully um but um yeah it was um yeah it was i hate thinking about it it was uh it was tough yeah yeah what do you think it was about the experience that made it so difficult? I think that a lot of, if you believe in a religion, most likely that's tied to a family. And because, you know, hopefully everyone is born into a family. Um, and I'd say what most people, if they are religious, it's because of their family. So when you, um, stop doing something which is so which is such a core part of your family um that's obviously going to be a a a, a a massive shock to the system to everyone's system um so um that's what i mean that's what it was so that's why it was so tough yeah did it kind of uh put you in conflict with your family or was there like a tension that you felt yeah. I mean I think religion is quite a knowing what I know from my time at Asian Network, religion is a huge part of a, the Asian experience, full stop. I don't think I don't think that's unfair to say. So if you're a an Asian who isn't religious or yeah, who who is outright not religious, I mean, I've chosen to not live under that label. Like I could have kept on going and um 
you know, giving it half effort and just not have to handle the stress. But I would have, you know, technically been still a Muslim and I've just that would have been fake. So when I chose to step out of that umbrella, that obviously puts a spotlight on you because um, you're doing something different. And I, I, I'm guessing people judge me. Um, and maybe there was tension in certain families. Get like for some, I don't know, but I mean, I don't really talk about it with anyone at all in my family. Uh, what was, when it was done, it was done. Um, I don't know what my extended family thinks, and I don't really want to ask to be honest. Um, I think we all just know what's up and we just get on with it, um, which is fine as long as I'm not uh, shunned. <laughs> Luckily, I have not been that, but then I laugh, but I know that there's a fear in some people if they were to do something like that like whenever i remember i guess i remember when um uh one of my <laughs> one of my few asian friends uh when we talked about it they said that if i doesn't like if, if they had done something like that like they would have been like thrown out i suppose uh, it depends on your circumstance i was lucky to not have to live with any tensions even now um which is nice so but i know it's it's not I know other people aren't that fortunate or can't or are scared that it will be much worse for them, which is totally valid. Yeah. When you talk about it being, um, it sounds like quite um, difficult to think back over the mm. particular examples of things that became difficult or challenging as a result of you no longer seeing yourself or like, um, yeah, being within that religion. Um, not, not massively and maybe it's because you know go back all the way to the start i said that i don't i I don't really grow up in an asian area or didn't really have a typical asian life in britain so perhaps the obstacles which would have been in my way after saying that i wasn't muslim didn't appear because i didn't have to like simple things I, i didn't have to face a lot of family or friends on a daily basis um who are asian um so perhaps that sort of big big let off um but i don't think so uh, i don't think anything got harder i mean little things like um like there were times when everyone would go to pray and i wouldn't um think a little things like that is pretty awkward but i mean I suppose I just, when it's time to pray, I just go into another room and just sit on my own and let everyone else go on with it. Um, so, which is fine. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't, it didn't stop me. It didn't stop me. It didn't, it didn't cause me any trouble down the line. Um, it doesn't call me, it doesn't cause me trouble now. Not in a big way anyway. I, I mean, like I said, I, I haven't really talked about this with any of my family like outside of my house. So, um, I don't know what they think. I don't want to think of me. They seem, they still seem to like me and, and have me at their homes. So um, clearly they don't hate me. So, uh, yeah. 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 It's, I could see that being um, on the one hand, things like that, I, I suppose perhaps in some sense they're not huge, but I guess I could see it being, that's a bit lonely or a bit alienating if there's something everyone in your family's doing which you're not participating in. Yeah, I mean, not really for me personally. Um, again, people who are perhaps in a more Asian <laughs> lane of life may have different experiences of that and may say that, but I wouldn't say I have been alienated or felt lowly because of this so um but that's just me yeah i guess that's a good thing <laughs> yeah yeah probably yeah uh he says living on his own <laughs> in a different city um but no yeah i can't remember if there was other things we were going to talk about i suppose um i mean is there anything else you wanted to say about this topic um follow your heart i suppose i mean i don't it's tough because maybe just having me on the record and having me say my story is good enough i don't want to tell people how to live their lives because this stuff is 
is is massive like i don't think i don't think i have understated how i don't think i have stated how huge religion and breaking away from your family in that sense or like not being in line with your family in some in some aspects of life is that's huge because you know it's your family it's the most important thing in the world uh, when, when you when you say is there anything else to say to me that means do you want to say anything to the audience or to the listeners any advice and i don't <laughs> i don't really no. give any advice on that front um, no, no so. I, I didn't, sorry i didn't necessarily mean advice i suppose I just no meant- I, I know you didn't mean that but in my head that's that's what that quite that's what that kind of question always speaks to me um because i've said what i've had to say really yeah um i feel like you touched on this a bit before but i remember a while ago you talking about going to bangladesh and what that was like and uh, like I think your your most recent trip to Bangladesh, and I, I did think um, that could be good to talk about in terms of what that was like, and perhaps especially. So, right, did you go there around the same time that you were working for Asian Network? Um, so the last time I went to Bangladesh was before, well, way before Asian Network. Um, it was oh god, when was it? I don't know. Was it before university? Well, yeah, it was. It was to answer your question. It was years before Asian Network. Oh, okay. Oh, I think maybe I had it in my head that it was recent because I know you did that project where did you do this project talking to people about their experiences of going back to Bangladesh? Yeah. So um, this year it was the fiftieth anniversary of of Bangladesh. Basically, um, it was created fifty years ago. It was fought over fifty years ago, and um the country was this was established 50 years ago um read up educate yourselves on that people mm-hmm. um and um so yeah the asian network did a week of celebration of everything bangladeshi everything british bangladeshi um from food music or music obviously the massive thing food music um culture lifestyle history issues social issues um, everything and I played a part in that as well so I produced a a video for the Asian Network social media uh, pages uh, and the video was about what it's like to visit Bangladesh as a as a young British Bangladesh as a young British Asian basically so it was me and three other uh, British Asians from the age of ages of like 16 to 24 I think um and yeah we just we just spoke about what it was like visiting Bangladesh because we've all we all grew up in the in the UK and I think it was a good video to, a good video to do because there are some themes we all could share but you know I think one of the major outstanding ones was that even though this was your family in Bangladesh this is your family in Bangladesh you're still British um and you're and therefore you're just naturally going to be either treated differently or like just spoken to differently i don't know um so yeah i mean but but then yeah maybe maybe that's one downside or not downside maybe that's one little thing about being um of two cultures but yeah you get the best of best worlds as well so um going to bangladesh is always fun maybe i didn't appreciate it as much as i should have but um yeah, it was a cool video to do for sure. Yeah, do you, so do you find people do treat you differently um, because in as in, in Bangladesh because of um, the fact that you've grown up in the UK? Um, well, me personally, I don't think so. Um, I know one the other one of the people on that video said that they were treated differently um, because you know just the way that we speak i suppose that we don't even though we speak bengali we don't have the same lilt or you know accent so immediately stand out and just the way that you dress stands out and the way that you act stands out because you know because just how you grew up you didn't grow up in Bangladesh. so um but yeah i mean i don't think i personally was treated indifferently maybe i was and i just noticed it but um yeah yeah that's cool how would you say you sort of relate to these different parts of your identity now of being British and being Asian? Um, I'm actually really, I'm actually really happy about it, about myself and my identity now. 
Um, I suppose growing up is always a, a roller coaster about finding who you are and um, where you belong, who you belong with, um, and who you are. Um, so I feel like I'm fortunate enough to be at a stage where I'm comfortable with who I am now and what else I can do and what else I can learn about about myself um, and how far I can go. Um, so specifics um yeah I, I i'd say i mean earlier on i said i was growing up i said i was what, 70 30 i think i said 70 percent british 30 percent asian yeah um should we do we can do like a quick what should we do now should we say mm-hmm. what am i now um in my life now i am <laughs> well, I, I, 60 40 maybe 65 35 which I think is good progress. Um, and maybe we can even fudge the figures a bit. Maybe growing up, I was 80% British, 20% Asian, <laughs> if I'm being realistic, if I'm, if I'm being honest, harsh. And now I'm 60-40 or 65-35, just to make it look better. Um, because I really have learned more about my Asian side and appreciated it more. Um, even little things like um, I hate spicy food. Like I hate curry. Or, we've searched that and i hate spicy food. like i hate anything spicy i just don't get why people like spicy food no so i i understand oh no i don't know i don't even understand why people i don't i can't even appreciate why people like spicy food whenever you have something spicy in your mouth it overrides everything about what you're tasting what is the point um and a lot of it happens to be that my birthright is spicy curries. So um, the two things which I don't like or I didn't like, um, or didn't realise that I didn't like when I was a baby, I had to live through many birthdays and Eid and family gatherings of just picking out things of food and having my mum make food off a plate for me in front of everyone because I couldn't do it or I just hated it. But there's a point to this rambling um in the last year or so i've started to become a bit easy with spice like in, in nando's terms i was always a lemon herb slash mango and lime diehard all the time but yeah. now i'm honestly i could hack a medium on a good day so that that illustrates, I feel like, the progress that I'm making in perhaps being more in touch with my Asian side. Um, and I mean, on the serious note as well, like music, for example, right? There's a song that I heard at Asian Network. Um, it's called Gunguru. Um, and it is now comfortably one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, and that's a huge, for me, that's a huge thing. Um, I, the, in terms of the music I listen to I, I listen to a lot of film and TV soundtracks a lot of the time um, mm. that probably takes up most of my library now but when it comes to say I know lyrical songs um, non-instrumental only songs um, my favourite songs of all time are uh, She Said by Plan B and My Type by Saint Motel um, and they're both th- the reason why they're both favourites are because they both came at ages in my life where I appreciated music even more and every time i hear them i have a mass smile on face um so for gunguru to come along asian network and to be up there with all out to, to be all the songs i love and be up there yeah. with she said and my type it's a huge achievement it's a huge achievement of that song yeah, and a yeah. huge i think like acceptance of my part of i don't know you're just being more asian um i remember listening to that song gunguru on i went to australia new zealand on holiday um last year and i remember listening to those three songs on the beach i remember listening to that it was like 35 degrees it felt like 40 and i felt so at peace and i'm so happy um so little things like that illustrate now how more in touch i am my agent side i mean there's still more way to go there's still a long way to go i feel like um but it's a start yeah yeah like integrating the um, aspects of aging culture into your identity in addition to the British side. Mm. I mean, it sounds like it's something that you perhaps more than you used to be a focus on trying to develop and trying to get in touch with. 
I suppose I just didn't think about it before so actively. Um, and now I am. So, um, so yeah, and I'm, I'm happy for that aware, self-awareness. And I'm, I suppose, reaping the benefits um, of it. Just seeing the world differently and seeing myself differently and seeing the people around me differently. Yeah. 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 I can, it sounds pretty enriching. Yeah, that's a good way of describing it. If I, uh, George and I had a, um, we went to school together and we had this um, session this. every every other week called Enrichment, uh, which the whole sixth form um, like group, the, all, all the students from sixth form would go to this, would go to the main hall and we'd do Enrichment every, I think it was like every Wednesday, period five. Um, so yeah, I suppose this would be my life now would be a, so and also at Enrichment, they would get guest speakers in basically from different <laughs> walks of life to to tell you just to, to, to share their stories and you know enrich you i suppose um and um, so yeah if they were to invite me now i would probably fit the definition of of at least beginning to enrich myself yeah i mean i think we used to have a running joke that essentially every one of those talks was like i've done something really triumphant and impossible like <laughs> climb everest or <laughs> leave prison and start writing for the guardian and then the punchline was like, so you should get your UCAS sorted out. <laughs> the word UCAS. Oh God, I I, a lot of people say that um, they miss school. Uh, more than more than I think. Pe- pe- uh, more than more people than I think say they miss school. I don't get I don't get it. I don't I don't miss school one bit. Just the when you said UCAS right now like just anxiety just went through the roof and like a sharp pain into my heart i can't oh god no uh, my fault anyway i brought up a richmond sorry no i'm i'm the same i don't I, I don't miss school i miss i miss being an undergrad um i miss that but i don't even miss uni i don't even miss university in particular although perhaps that says more about us and how we how our school and university experiences went compared to others i don't know <laughs> maybe those had more fun than me can say they loved university in school but um, I don't know. I like where I am now, <laughs> much better. Yeah, that's what matters. Yes, not some glory years and ages ago, which only lasts for ten years. Um, ha ha! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know if that was a joke or not. Uh, should we say it's a joke because you can't see my face? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For those that. <laughs> For those that can't see Alan's face, he's making the face you make when you make a joke. <laughs> he's not putting his middle finger up to the to the camera. No, he is naked. <laughs> um, and I don't know if this is something that you have much to say about, but um, do you feel like the kind of norms of masculinity have affected you very much? So um what do you mean by i think i know what you mean by norms of masculinity but what do you mean by the norms of masculinity yeah i guess it's it's quite i suppose it's quite a diffuse concept i suppose things like um ideals of stoicism so being quite self-sufficient and not being particularly vulnerable or talking about your emotions um needing to be competent there is um live and trying to think of others um not not be like effeminate in various ways have certain interests like liking yeah um, football i mean it's all those kind of things and probably a lot more as well i mean yes to all of them as as you reeled them off <laughs> time left but i felt like I, it would be good to ask um to tie it back to what we were talking about earlier do you feel like those norms interact with you're um, someone from an Asian background. <clears throat> um, no, because uh, sorry, I keep using this as 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 the reason, but like I said, I just didn't. I don't think I grew up having the typical in the typical Asian experience, um, as <clears throat> another British Asian kid would, being around more Asians. Um, I think what it means to be an Asian man in an Asian household evolves over time it mm-hmm. comes i think attitudes change over time hopefully and that in 100 years time 
it'll be different, but at least what it is to be an Asian man now, I think is what it means to be an Asian man now, I think is defined more by what Asians think about what Asian women should be, Um, which is the problem, I think. Um, I think the way... I feel bad. I I feel like I shouldn't be. I don't have the authority to talk about this, but I think there's still like a backwards attitude into how Asian women are thought of and treated. And if that's a starting point, then if you're gonna, if if you're going to start on focusing on it and how they should be, and then have the and then hold the Asian man by, I'm not saying anything bad. Mm. And what it's like if an Asian woman that she needs to get married by a certain age and needs to be able to do all these things then by because that's your starting point the Asian man then then you're telling the Asian man to say you need to go out there and have a job have a career be a doctor be a lawyer a massive thing um those are kids um so I mean what I'm trying to say is basically gender norms suck right <laughs> clearly um everyone should be their own person and you shouldn't have to conform to a stereotype or a norm um but in relation to my experience i think those gender norms affected me because um i learned how for example and i I, you'd be surprised at how a lot of asian guys don't know how to um I, i can't speak to how it is in other cultures but it's got to a point where I see a lot of Asian men who don't know how to even like live without their wife or live. Growing up, Asians, if you if they went to uni, they would have no clue what to do. But me, luckily, I did not. I, I my parents are amazing, and luckily, I didn't have that. Um, by by amazing, I meant like I learned how to cook and clean and do all those things, which I just don't. I don't think a lot of Asian guys out there do. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's changing. But from the Asian guys I talk, <laughs> um, and also don't, and also what I'm also trying to what what that feeds into is that the women in the household do everything, uh, and not to say that men men's jobs are easy, and, and obviously they go through stress in their own jobs, but like you know, it's not fair for the wife or the mum to do all the washing all the time or to do all the cooking all the time or to do all the little things all the time. I say little things, big things all the time. At least that's how I, that's how I think um, relationships in a household should be between man and woman, whether it be your mum and your uh, son or a husband and a wife. So, um, you know, it should be split evenly. And traditionally, I don't think that's what, traditionally, that's not what Asian households are like, 100%. Um, so in that sense, gender norms does affect, I think, how most Asians grow up, especially in in Britain now, because of the fact that the people above us, generation wise, just didn't just that's just how they grew up. But hopefully, being in Britain, that attitude will change. Um, so yeah, sorry, I went off on a rant there, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's any good to you. If that's what you asked for. Um, to be honest, I really yeah, you even made me forget that there's a Chelsea game. Yeah. Um, um, okay, so this is one question I've asked to other guests, right? We're like, oh, what am I trying to say? Sorry, this is rubbish. Um, don't worry about life because all those people you think you're trying to impress don't actually pay attention or don't actually care. Um, and the only really thing that matters is you and the people closest to you and how you feel and if you're happy then life is all good um yeah that's what i would say to my former self just be chill be chill nice thanks for coming on the podcast Adam. thank you for having me george thank you i really enjoyed that conversation with adam i'm grateful to him for coming on the podcast as I said in the beginning, if you are a Muslim student looking for support, do visit those links in the description. And 
in general if you're a student struggling with your mental health you can visit the Student Minds website you can call Nightline which is a confidential listening service run by students at your university I think most universities in the UK um, have a service like that and you can have a look at the charity Minds website and there'll be links to those in the description as well thank you for listening and see you next time. Bye.